You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's going on, Jermaine Johnson? Tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn on the Jets podcast. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will paul 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by first time on the show um you know his predecessor connor's been on a few times zach rosenblatt of the athletic how are we doing today zach i'm great man thanks for having me on yeah i'm excited to uh excited to finally be able to do this obviously uh you know i think you've been doing a great job obviously writing i'm oh, um, covering and covering the team so far a really good story on dj reed for anyone that didn't get to take a look at that uh, make sure you do obviously week one Probably felt like, oh, great. I'm, uh, what am I in for here? <laughs> Went from Giants to the Jets. And, uh, you know, week two was, was crazy. Obviously, Jets, uh, you know, as I covered, uh, you know, Monday's episode, obviously a big win. How unexpected did you feel like 30-17? How deep in the article, has your post-game article were you before you had to delete half the, uh, the last two paragraphs? Well, the, f- the funny thing is, I luckily, like in my previous job, it wouldn't have been a problem. But luckily with the athletic uh, – we don't have to write something like right when the, the game ends. Like they give us a little more time to go in the locker room, really like get to like analyze what happened and think about it as opposed to in the moment, <laughs> which in that situation, I like literally text my editor and I'm like, thank you for not making me write at the gun. Cause that would have been hard. I've, I've, in the, I have, when I covered the university of Arizona, they were in a bowl game where something similar kind of happened. They were down by like 14 with two minutes left and they pulled off what the jets did. But I mean, it, it was, it was wild. I mean, and you've heard it all by now, like once, once they scored that, like I wasn't even after the Chubb touchdown, I I honestly didn't even notice that they missed the extra point because I'm just like, all right, I assume they're gonna make it. Now I can start thinking about what I'm gonna write. And then they come back, Corey Davis scores a touchdown, and like Joe Flacco said, it's just like there was like a weird silence. And you're like, uh, what's I mean, all right, but they're they're not gonna get the onside kick. So um, and then they do, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, they're gonna win now. Like yeah. you just knew after the onside kick, like they were they were not gonna be stopped on offense. Um, yeah, no, you didn't feel, I didn't feel like that. I felt like that either. Once they recovered that onside kick, it was, can they make the extra point and can they right. not give up a play with 22 yeah. seconds? Yeah, that was, that was the next thing. Cause then Percet has that long run and you're like, uh oh, uh, they only need like one more play to get a field goal range. And then Ashton Davis of all people. So it was, uh, it was just a combination of a lot of crazy things. Like the, the, all the, all the unsung heroes were guys that the fan base was ready to cut a week ago. Um, <laughs> So it was just like a perfect, it was like a perfect win for the Jets. Like the it's a Jetsian win. Yeah, no, it was usually it's what happened to them, right? You look back at the Raiders game a couple of years ago, obviously they're actively tanking um, or quote unquote, not actively tanking, whatever, however you want to phrase it. And Greg Williams calls cover zero on the one play. You can't run that and all these different things. But it's funny. You look at, um, as you mentioned, the extra miss extra point was so like kind of unsung at the time. And I know Robert Salas said he would have gone for two. Um, 
you know, no one can question him on it because it didn't have to happen. Um, no, the Corey Davis one, the but, they even got so silent. It was crazy, as you mentioned. It was like, everyone's like, oh, oh, what do we have? What's happening here? Well, fun, funny enough with the go for two thing, I literally, the moment I realized they missed the extra point was when I like turned to another reporter and I was like, think they're going to go for two if they score here. And then he's like, they don't need to. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. My, it was weird. I, I like whatever I was watching my fiance and she was like, oh, they missed the extra point. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like they didn't even think much of it and then like, who cares uh, yeah. yeah who cares i mean cool they could cover now and you know people will be happy to have money on the game um were you i guess we'll kind of talk from like a garrett wilson you know quickly on, and wilson obviously he was fantastic yeah you know, had the one drop that i felt really happy for him because with a young player sometimes when you, the yeah. last part of the game like that it's just it sticks with you i know garrett's not like that and you know watching him in camp you obviously saw him every day he had a bunch of drops during camp and it didn't linger that much but you never know game playing that well. How are you surprised he's been this good this quickly? Or are you kind of expecting to be like more Davis and then Wilson early on at least? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, throughout camp, I said how clear it was, how talented he was and that I always thought that his ceiling was to be the best receiver out of this group. There was a lot of the drops in camp and, you know, you're still working, like figuring out how to be an NFL receiver. And, you know, I think even the, I wasn't here in the spring, but the, the coach, I know the coaches in the spring were saying how he was still like learning route running and stuff like that. And then he came out the other day and I think he, he's advanced way past what I thought he'd be this early. Like he, I think he already might be their best receiver. He, um, or at least he's the most like dynamic, uh, you know, he, he's a surprisingly shockingly good route runner. Maybe a lot of that has to do with his, his athleticism because he, he had a couple of jukes at the line of scrimmage where it created just enough space to where he was pretty much open to where as long as Joe Flacco threw an accurate ball, he was getting it to him. I mean, if, even if you don't with Garrett Wilson, he's so athletic, he can go and get it. Um, his ability to make plays after, after the catch is, is unlike any of their other receivers. You know, I, I think Elijah Moore has some of that, but not like, he, I don't think he's quite as shifty as, as Garrett Wilson is. And, you know, he, he has the drop thing, but for the most part, he, he catches stuff if, the, if it's a catchable ball. I mean, it, if, he, if he has a drop, it'll be, it's like a mental error more than like he can't get it kind of thing. So I, he impressed me quite a bit. And now that like, I, I don't even know what the, what the ceiling is for him because I, I did not expect him to look as good as he did in week two. That's as good of a rookie performance as I've seen. You know, the, it, it's funny. I, I, I mean, I, most of my followers are like Jets fans and stuff, but I, after all the comments about like, you know, from DJ Reed comparing him to Justin Jefferson and then Tyler Conklin, like I didn't see as much outrage as you would think when something like that comes out, because I think there were a lot of, like he was very popular in like the draft community. Like I know, a lot of people had him as the best receiver in this draft. Uh, and so now he's doing this and, and now you're hearing the hype just like go crazy. Maybe it's getting out of whack almost, but that's how good he looked. And he didn't even play the most snaps out of the receivers. He was still third. So yeah, I, yeah. very curious to see how this plays out. If he's their legit number one receiver now, if how, how he does when teams start preparing for him, what it does for Elijah Moore. But just having a guy with that level of ability is going to make everybody better anyway. So, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I, some of the hype there was, I know Mike Greenberg and tongue in cheek a bit was like, Oh, he's the best jets. Like yeah, yeah. he's not the best jets offensive player in 20 years. There's guys that are in the hall of fame. So maybe we should bump that down a little bit. Um, and I know Dan Orlowski mentioned him potentially breaking the rookie record of targets. I don't see that happening. I know that there's, he got 14 targets and that's fantastic, but there's going to be games where it's Elijah Moore with 12 targets. If anyone's followed the Niners or the Rams or any of these teams over the last four or five years, it kind of is like a game by game thing. Like there's games where Kittle's the number one target, then it's Debo, then it's, um, you know, somebody else. So I think I, you saw even on the Corey Davis touchdown, I know Connor broke it down a little bit and then um, 
Denzel Ward kind of said it was, wasn't his fault, but it, it was, and then it's great thou pits and whatever. The point of it more so to say, you know, they were, they've all shifted to, towards where Garrett Wilson was. If you watch that play and then they just totally forgot about Corey Davis, who's making $13 million a year. I think you'll see Elijah Moore start to get more targets as well. I'm, I'm sure you probably feel the same way. He's open all the time in terms of quickly on the Flacco when Zach comes back, do you think it's dependent upon more of when Zach's ready? Or is it like at this point when Joe Flacco's like how good Joe Flacco's playing or not? Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be the question of the day. If he has another good game in week three, um, you know, if he plays like he did again and they're two and one, like I mean, you at least have to think about keeping him in. Like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really hard discussion to have because I don't know if there's a right answer. Like Zach Wilson is their guy. He's, going to be their starter at some point. I think they're going to wait until he's absolutely 100% and he looks like the Zach Wilson they know he can be. So, And you feel a little better about holding him out until he's 100% because of how, how Flacco is playing. But, um, you know, I'm going to wait and see what happens on Sunday, and then I think that'll be the discussion next week for sure. If Flacco resorts back to what, like, maybe we expected or how we looked in week one, then then Zach Wilson's an easy call. Uh, but if not, you're 2-1. and one, You're going against the Steelers, who are a pretty beatable team right now, especially without T.J. Watt. Uh, and there's the, also the question of like, do you, do you want him to come back against the Dolphins team? It looks pretty good. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, so it's like, it's a real balance. I think when, the, when they feel like he's a hundred percent, he'll play, but you know, maybe they can be more patient if Flacco is good. Yeah. It's so I would say for me, it's two things. One, they do have to rip the bandaid off at some point mm-hmm. here. And I think I know Robert Salas mentioned, I thought this week was perfect. They're at home. It's the, the worst defense of the bunch. It's a game they're coming off momentum where like Flacco didn't really play that great. If you really, you know, if you if Nick Chubb he just goes, his, he did his job. He did, he his, did job. his job. But if he missed Gary Wilson twice on two easy touchdowns, like there was some things during the game. This, the yeah. four, the strip sack was, I would say, more percentage his fault than Max Mitchell when you're a rookie and you're going against the Pro Bowl level DN. Like oh, yeah. I think you're, you expect the guy to step up. Um, and then obviously, look, if Chubb goes down, he's got 195 yards and two touchdowns. And we're like, oh, this is another loss. They lost 17. So at some point, you got to bring him back. And the season, I think you would agree, is very much about his solid right head coach. Do you have the right roster? And is Zach the right quarterback? And totally right now, they they figured totally. out kind of the roster things starting to come into fruition. And we'll see on Salah, obviously. But Zach's the most important player on the team, whether people like it or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I I even said that. I can't remember if it was on my podcast or on another podcast I was on, but the the, the season is still all about Zach Wilson. Like, it, and if anything, you know, maybe it winds up being a weirdly good thing that you know, obviously he's missing out on reps and all that stuff. But if by the time he gets there, the offensive line is is feeling you know is in sync, and you know Garrett Wilson is a fully adjusted, and um, you know these Brees Hall is adjusted to the NFL. Like, if all these things are around him, then he, it's the best possible supporting cast for him. And then it just really is all on him. And you know, even to tie back to to Garrett Wilson, I, I'm excited to see what Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson look like together. I know, you know, Garrett Wilson had that quote in, in camp where he said he likes how Flacco just like puts it right on the money or whatever. But Zach Wilson also has that like uh, you know the, the the playground style where he's going to improvise. And if there's anybody that can can adjust to the route and like go up and get a ball. And I, I think them two could be really fun if Zach is at his best. So I, I'm curious to see how their, their chemistry plays out and how, how big, how much having a guy like Garrett Wilson really helps Zach Wilson. Yeah. I guess like in theory, the best case for the jets this week is like they win, but Flacco's not very good. So you can bring Zach back and but you like, don't all the noise of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's just funny. The people that spam my mentions about how Mike White's better than 
Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson now want Flacco to be the starter for exactly. And we're a week ago, they were, yeah, a week ago they were calling. That's that's just how it works, though. It's yeah. a, my weekly, yeah. The uh, the conspiracy theory: the Jets don't play Zach because Mike White's better than him. That's uh, that was, but yeah. um, the other you mentioned one other thing before we get to kind of the Bengals, you know, matchup. The offensive line, I think, has been. I know they were bad in pass pro week one. They did run the ball decently. All things considered with who's playing quarterback and where they were playing and who they were playing. I thought they were pretty decent on, on, uh, on Sunday. Obviously AVT has been, he's taken what he did last year and now just gotten so much better in pass pro, which is obviously huge, but like overall Tomlinson played much better. I thought McGovern's is what he is. Obviously Fant has not had a good two weeks, but that said, like, I think that was kind of expected. He wasn't going to be a, a superstar level player against Miles Garrett. And Max Mitchell's been fine. I'm not saying he's let's pump the brakes on like how good he actually is, but he hasn't been the reason they lost. So that's obviously huge. Do you think the offensive line like can sustain and be a decent group for them this year? Because if this is the harder part of their schedule right now and they're being they're surviving, I think, you know, as they get into a little bit softer of a schedule, they should be able to kind of, you know, influence at least the run game specifically more than they have so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, I, th the fact that they showed progress in week two is a really good sign, especially because they were going against a more talented defensive line. Uh, I think that's not even a controversial thing to say. So, um, you know, I, I look at that offensive line, besides ABT, who, I, who I've said has like Pro Bowl potential, I think the rest of the group is like just a bunch of solid guys in theory. Like that's probably Max Mitchell saying like he's not going to be Lane Johnson on the right side. Um, but so if they can have four or five solid offensive linemen, that's really, you don't need this to be a top 10 offensive line. You need it just to be an offensive line that protects Zach Wilson because Zach Wilson doesn't do very well when he's pressured. Um, at least he didn't as a rookie. I mean, maybe he'll be better at it, but um, yeah. And you, you just don't want, you don't want him to get hit. You, you need a better offensive line around Joe Flacco. If he's in there, cause he's a statue and it adds a little more challenges. Uh, the run blocking has been pretty good, I think. Uh, and I, I think Brees Hall is good at hitting holes. So I, that's going to be really fun if that, if they keep on progressing. So, yeah, I think, as long as this group stays healthy and the five of them are playing together and, you know, George Fan is more comfortable again at left tackle. Uh, I think Fan, Fan is like the X factor at this point because, um, you know, he looked pretty bad in week one. He looked better in week two. It's hard to judge because he was going against Miles Garrett, like you said. So as the season progresses and you're not going to play anyone as good as Miles Garrett again. Um, yeah, thank God. Thank God TJ yeah. Watt's not playing for their sake because. Uh, yeah, exactly. There's not many people better in the league, if anyone. Um I guess this kind of ties into the Bengals, you know, this Bengals game. Is it fair or unfair that Sunday's win changed how people are going to look at the Jets season in terms of now that everything's calmed down and I, I've said this a million times and this is not an original take for me. So don't have like, you have to look at quarterbacks and head coaches when you look at the schedule. And I think a lot of people got caught up in like, Oh, the AFC North and well, it seems like no one in the AFC North has looked great. I know the Jets lost week one, um, obviously. And Green Bay does not look like, this world beating offense that's, you know, they're going to put up 50 on you it could change. Obviously the Jets defense and DVO is 32nd right now. So let's uh, pump the brakes, but Denver doesn't look as good. And all of a sudden, other than Buffalo, all the games on the schedule, like the Jets should be in at least like competing until like at the end of this game. Um, do you think it's fair to say like now all of a sudden you can look at this 10, you know, Cincinnati Steelers game and go, why can't we be three and one? Like, is that, unreasonable to think that i mean maybe they're not gonna be favored obviously they're not but is it unreasonable to say what if they're three and one against miami in week five you know i i don't it's such a week-to-week -week league and i think people forget that like 
nobody expected them to win those first. I was gonna say they were two. Anyway. They were two minutes yeah. uh, away from being, you know, yeah, two. yeah. Even if they've been zero and two, like most most of the predictions have been six to eight win range. I would say I think I had them at seven wins. Uh, going zero and two was not going to prevent them from doing that. Like it's a long season, so I, I think to your point, like I. I I see them be competitive most weeks. Like there's going to be some games where they get blown out. That's just the reality. And maybe there'll be a couple games where they win by a lot. Uh, but I, I, I do think they can compete. And like you said, like, that's just like, you look at a schedule before the season, you're like, Oh, that looks really hard in this stretch. And then the complete opposite happens where like the part you think was going to be hard winds up not being and the part that you think was going to be easy. It winds up being hard. So um, like the second half of the schedule was where everybody was pointing to, and maybe that won't be as easy now. Like, I don't know. And, and, you know, teams like the Packers, they'll get their stuff together. You would think, but yeah, so I mean, is it unreasonable? No, like I, I think those are two winnable games for sure. Um, do I think they'll be three and one? Probably not. But um, yeah, I definitely think it's not. That's been the thing. Everybody was pissed in week one because they were not competitive at the end of that game. Like it was over by the fourth quarter. They can't have games where they're over in the fourth quarter that early anymore. That's just their guy. If they, if this group wants, if the staff wants to survive, if Zach Wilson wants to stay, they cannot be getting killed in the fourth quarter. I think that's why everybody was so pissed. Um, you know, there was extreme reaction. I think there's probably already been extreme, like positive reaction this week, considering they won in two minutes, but a win's a win, especially around here. So, um, <laughs> positive momentum. I'm optimistic. So I think they can, I think they can beat the Bengals. I certainly think they can beat the Steelers. Uh, I would guess they split, but you know, who knows? Yeah, no, it's interesting. You look on, obviously you're familiar with the Giants is, you know, I haven't been over there. It's like, I don't think the Giants are very good. Uh, that said, there's a very real chance that you can start 4-0 based on who's on their schedule. And You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Sorry, some teams are just, just, the Eagles made the playoffs last year. They weren't good. And that's just what happens in the NFL. I, I don't know how good or not good the Bengals were last year. I saw them in person a couple of times. I thought they were fun to watch. I'm not sure that they were the yeah, best yeah. team in the AFC, but you know what? They got hot at the right time. So I'm not saying the Jets are going to make the playoffs yet. I'm still at very much at seven or eight wins. I think ideally Zach comes back and is good. And you feel you're two players away. You feel like what you Miami, Cleveland, these other teams that were one or two guys away. Looking into the Bengals game, I think the Jets match up very well with Cincinnati. I think especially this year with how DJ Reed's played. I think Sauce, 
I don't want to, I, I think DJ Reed needs to guard whoever, <laughs> whoever they feel is going to be the, the hardest person to match up. I know Sauce and Jamar Chase size-wise match up well. Jamar Chase is very good. <laughs> very, very good. But defensive line-wise against their offensive line, the Bengals' offensive line is a disaster. If the Jets' the offensive line you think is bad, <laughs> oh, baby. Uh, Joe Burrow's on pace to get sacked 110 times this year. Obviously, that'll change. And I don't think defensively the Jets shouldn't be able to run the ball, and, and they scored points last year. So do you think it's a good matchup for the Jets? Like, how do you think they're going to be able to win this game? Is it just D-line imposes their will and, and Joe Flacco is not bad? Like, is that pretty much the, the yeah. uh, thing at home now? Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned the offensive line. Like, it, it really the, – the Jets' defensive line really hasn't gotten home, like, at all. And it's been a little disappointing because I think that's that was the group that everybody was hyping up. And, you know, Second most expensive in the league. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, you know, Quinn and Williams wants to get paid. Uh, you know, Carl Lawson is being paid like one of the best pass rushers in the league. Like, they, they need those guys to live up to that contract, especially in this this defense where they don't really blitz much and they really rely on those guys, you know, getting home. So I, I think that's going to be – I think that's going to make, I mean, Flacco not turning the ball over, obviously, too. But um, I think how the defensive line plays is really going to decide this game because the Bengals have shown you can get to get to Burrow if you can get past the offensive line and Burrow holds the ball maybe a little too long, too, has been a big talking point in Cincinnati. Um, So, yeah, I think it comes down to that. And, you know, one of my biggest concerns, and I'm sure you probably talked about it, is the safety group. And, you know, it's there's there's in honestly part of it might have to do with sauce and he's a rookie and the, the miscommunications need to stop. Like they keep giving up big plays where it seems like either sauce or the safety is doing something wrong. Um, I think it's probably fair to say the rookie is probably the one in the wrong in most cases, but um, I'm not behind the scenes. I know Robert Sala indicated that it was sauce's fault on that Mari Cooper touchdown. Um, I think he's been pretty good otherwise, but those small things will kill you. Like if you just make one mistake and you may give up a big play, that's all that really matters. So um, they need they need to fix that up on the back end, but I feel better about like you said, DJ Reed has been absolutely stellar. Uh, their linebackers are are fine, uh, and you need the defensive line to get home. And that that if they're going to win this, yeah. In terms of the matchup, yes, on paper this this should be a game that they can win. Like Carl Lawson should be able to have his breakout game, or Quinn and Williams, or John Franklin Myers. Like one of these guys should be able to get a sack or two. Um, and then on the other side, like the Bengals have talent on defense, but I, I think you know. I think the Jets can can run on them, and I think they could, you know, win that way. I don't think they've gotten as much pass rush as they did last year so far. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm pretty sure they haven't gotten as much. So, um, yeah, I feel like the Jets can can maybe maybe don't score 30 against them, but I, I think they can score points on that defense. So it'll come down to Carl Lawson and that and those guys being the X factor. Yeah, it's interesting. You you mentioned look, I, I don't. I don't know. The, the, the safety group's tough. I think everyone kind of knew going into the year that's a huge issue. It was a huge issue last year. It will be a huge issue this year. Jordan Whitehead's kind of gotten screwed a couple of times. He's also kind of screwed himself. The Ravens touchdown, the one, the big one. Everyone was in my mention saying it's Marcus Joyner's fault. I can tell you from the staff's perspective, Jordan Whitehead's eyes were way too locked on Lamar. And then, like, he literally was supposed to take three on the other side. He didn't roll over, whatever. And there was the penalty. And there was the penalty. It was brutal on Joiner. That like there was a the safety stuff's tough. I just don't know what they do about it. Um, I know Ashton. Look, I I think everyone in the building and everyone as a fan covering the team would love Ashton to be the answer there because he's a homegrown guy. You took him up with a high pick. He's the young. He's the youngest of the group. He's the cheapest. Like there's a million reasons why it would be great. I just don't know that his angles. He's a weirdly like good knack for turning the ball over, which is great, but there's a lot of stuff in the run game that's not so pretty. Uh, and then Tony Adams, 
I do feel bad for Tony Adams. He gets in the game and everyone's expecting him to be a stud because he kept, got kept on the roster and he gets put in the slot and covering Cooper. Yeah. That's, that got, that got ugly. Yeah. But that's kind of the point. I had someone, I was talking about that. Um, like some, I was on a radio, I was on uh Paul Edson's uh, radio show uh, today. And he, uh, he asked about like what they can do at safety. Like it's not like there's, there's a free agent that's going to upgrade it. Like yeah. they just, the guy they, they could have gotten on the other team they're playing this week and uh, yeah, yeah. they didn't want to trade for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have taken a lot to get him, but yeah, he's certainly talented, but yeah. So they're going to rely on the guy, these guys, I, they believe in Jordan White. It was banged up in week two. Um, you know, LaMarcus Joyner, I have a little more questions about it. If, if this is just what he is now. Uh, and I know a lot of fans are obsessed with Will Parks and I, I like Will Parks, but you know, he's been on a lot of teams for a reason and nobody claimed him for a reason. So um I, they're going to ro- roll with these guys. If Joyner keeps playing like he is, then maybe you start really thinking about, you know, one of these young guys, but um, this is kind of who they have. This is what they have to deal with. And they hope that the veterans just kind of figure it out. Are you as conf- I like Bryce off a lot. I understand the thinking week one and I, I guess week two, although if you actually look at the analytics, like Bryce off is pretty good against the run last year, better than a lot of their guys. So is there like a sneaky injury or something going on? Because I feel like this is a game where he should eat and not for nothing. I, I, Michael Clemens and Jacob Martin haven't exactly blown the doors off that they should be getting X, you know, I know Jacob Martin's, you know, get paid more, but Bryce House has been a more effective pass rusher in his career, let alone, you know, I think he's just a better player than Jacob Martin is at this point. Um, am I crazy that he should be playing this weekend and probably getting a bunch of snaps against a team they need to hit, you know, they got to hit Joe Burrow early and often. Yeah. I mean, I, I was very surprised in week one. I mean, I, like you said, I guess I understood their justification, but I thought he was there best pass rusher in camp outside of Carl Lawson. Like I, he really stood out to me. I, I, I didn't come in like really knowing much about him and he still stood out to me. And I know his like pressure rate was pretty ridiculous last year. So I, I mean, I, I, I straight up predicted he was going to get eight sacks this year, which isn't looking great now. I, I mean, I, I would think they would play him this week, but you know, I didn't expect him to be inactive for two weeks. Um, so I, I, and it's not like I, they seem pretty committed to not making Clemens or Jermaine Johnson inactive. And so it really comes down to Jacob Martin and the coaching staff seems to really trust him. So um, if they don't trust Huff, then he's not going to be out there. I don't think there's a phantom injury or anything like that. I think they just feel like they can't have seven defensive ends on the active roster. I would play him this week. I, like you said, like this is an, a beatable offensive line. You throw him in for some pass rushes. Maybe they do. Uh, they went pretty heavy on safeties last week. I'm curious to see if they do that again. Um, you know, Bryce Hall was also inactive, which is it's kind of crazy to think about. But uh, yeah, so I I don't know. It's a it's a good question. I'm I'm going to ask that this week. I think when we talk to them, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have an answer, but I, I I would think they would have him active, but you know, I, I didn't think he would be inactive anyway. So yeah, I mean, and also the thing that no one really wants to, you know, Zach being on the active roster right now does kill them on game day. I know they don't want to admit that and they'll never say that out loud, but they didn't put him on IR and he's likely going to miss all first four weeks and he hasn't really done much in practice other than seven on seven stuff after and stretch. So it does kill them on game day because it gives you one less option of somebody you could, you know, have on the roster. The other name I was kind of curious about, and I think I would assume you probably feel the same way. I think they really like Jeremy Ruckert. I think they were trying to take him along slowly, similar to a lot of these rookies. I think they try to take it slow with Brees Hall or they try to take it slow with Garrett Wilson. They don't really have that choice now because he's broken out. Even Clemens and Jermaine, I think they're just, they're trying to slowly got like get these guys slowly into the, in, uh, kind of in, not inducted, introduced, whatever, uh, into the game plan. Jeremy Rucker, I think, is better right now. Like, he should be on the field more. I know he had the drop, but, like, blocking-wise, I thought he had, he had some really nice reps. And C.J. Uzama being out, I, I 
Am I crazy that he should be playing Conklin? Conklin struggled a lot. I think he's the worst graded tight end on BFF right now of anyone that's had like any significant snaps. He should be playing more now. Like I think as the season goes on, you'll start to see more record and probably less of some of the veterans that are unglorified one-year deals if you really look at them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, weird, I, right? I, I think they were trying to ease him in, like you said. I think they, because he started late. I mean, I, I, I thought it was weird when they called up Kenny Yaboa. I thought they were going to keep uh, him inactive and they wound up playing him. Um, but yeah, the blocking part, is, I think, is key, especially with Uzama out. I was confused in week one when Lawrence Cager was in and he wasn't. Uh, but I guess if you think they had CG Uzama and Conklin, so they figure maybe Cagers like can be the extra receiver when they do 13 personnel. And that clearly didn't work out, but I think that was a thought process. So, yeah. I would think Rucker starts playing more uh, as an extra blocker and things like that. Although, it, I mean, it, it, it depends how the game strip goes, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I would they, think- they want to be almost more 11 at this point. I feel like I know everyone said yeah. 12 personnel, but I feel like all their success comes in 11 personnel. Even, yeah. la- even last year when Elijah started to break out, like it's hard not to have those three guys in the field at once. Yeah. And, and so if they are doing 11 personnel, then Rucker probably isn't playing very much, I would say but unless they're getting up into the goal line situations and things like that. But yeah, so I, I think he'll be active probably until Uzama comes back at the very least, I would say. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And I guess last two questions here before we wrap, how, like, how important do you feel like it is for like Robert Sala to kind of continue to, to win games here? I know, I think that's part of the Zach Wilson kind of, dialogue is like winning game, like the pressure to win games now versus try to like take it easy with the young quarterback and things like do you feel like the pressure got relieved a little bit from Sunday or do you feel like if they go out and they lose 31 10 you know on Sunday at home people are going to start to ratchet right back up in your mentions and going why aren't we firing this guy I feel like it's like it's been 18 19 games I get it but it's tough when you like your expectation your bar was be better than Adam Gase and it's not record-wise been that much better yet unfortunately yeah, that, see, the, the thing is, I, I don't think it's going to come down to, like, wins and losses. It really comes down to what I said earlier. They need to be competing in fourth quarters. Stadium I mean, can't I, be empty in the third quarter. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I mean, obviously, they can't win four games, and, you know, then you can really talk about moving on or whatever. I don't really know what the threshold is. Um, but they, they need to be more competitive, and, you know, I'm very encouraged by how they played in week two, even before the comeback. I, I thought it was a competitive game. Week one wasn't. I mean, in the first half it was, and they just kept shooting themselves in the foot. Like if they have, they can't have games where it's a lot of mental mistakes because that just you know reflects poorly on the coaching staff. And the defense needs to get better. They can't have the thirty-second best team defense again because he was supposed to be a defensive guy. I think Michael Floor really helped himself this last week. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it just really comes down to how how they play. Like I I know fans are you know fans, I think fans had the same expectations like six to eight wins probably coming into the season. But the reality is that that when you when you're if you're only winning seven games, that's a, that's eleven losses, and that's eleven weeks where they're going to be mad probably. So, <laughs> and, and I know this fan base is tired of moral victories, but you're going to have a lot of those this year probably in reality. Um, and if you do, if you go you know six and twelve or whatever six and eleven, I can't add um, <laughs> you go six and eleven. Uh, that and but a lot of those eleven losses were close. Like I think you feel a little better about Salah going into the offseason. I'm sure you have to give your prediction. If you had to lean right now, if you want to give a prediction, you're more than welcome to. Um, where are you? Where are you leaning? You know, Tuesday, Tuesday evening. Um, you know, obviously, right now everyone's healthy. But uh, where are you? Where's your gut feeling? Nick Mangold, uh, you know, retirement ceremony. You know, big, uh, big Sunday. Yeah, I, I'm leaning Jets win, but I, I've I started that 
each of the last three weeks. Last week, I, I wait, last week, did I? No, I predicted a loss last week. I think I predicted a loss both weeks. I'm leaning win this week. Um, as it got later in the week, I was more skeptical because I just didn't know what to expect from Flacco and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm leaning win right now is what I would say. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on the same page. I'm, I'm right. I'm leaning like 30, 30 to 23 or 28, 24, something like that, where it uh, may get a big turnover or two. Last question, over under 12 and a half games Zach Wilson plays this year, meaning is he coming back next week, you think, gut feeling, or is he come back week five or six? And we have to hear about how he just isn't quite ready yet after uh, after this week. Oh, that's a good question. Um, man, I'm, I'm leaning towards him coming back against Pittsburgh. Um, and then Don't he, you feel like he was just trying not to shoot himself in the foot too with the timeline yeah, yeah. stuff? That's definitely what he's doing now. Yeah, for sure. Um, every, everybody latched on to uh, at the earliest, but he also said that at the press conference where he revealed the news. I think everybody was just focused on the fact that he wasn't coming back until the Steelers game. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I still think he comes back Steelers and you hope he doesn't miss any games after that. But I mean, you know, the way he plays, like it, it's very possible he misses a, a game or two later on. But um, so I guess so if he missed miss three games yeah i mean he should be able to get over the 12 and a half if he as long as he stays healthy but you know i would say he probably is going to hover around there is how many games he plays this year 12 games <laughs> it's uh jets can never get i think it's only five or six seasons since 1998 they've had a quarterback play over 13 games which is yeah that's not great truly truly special um for a myriad of reasons, not just injuries. Usually some guy is not very good. Um, obviously appreciate hopping on. Make sure everyone's kind of reading Zach stuff. The Athletic, again, doing a really good job. Obviously following on Twitter. Most people, I'm sure anyone that's listening to this is already following mm-hmm. on Twitter. But um, obviously appreciate having me on. And, uh, you know, hopefully Jets get a W and keep writing uh, more fun columns about Garrett Wilson being a star. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.